Today's show is brought to you by Capital One's CreditWise app. Capital One created the CreditWise app. You can check your credit score anytime you want right in the app. It's free to everyone, so download CreditWise today. Availability depends on presence of credit history from TransUnion. CreditWise is offered by Capital One Bank USA N.A. Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Varney. Joining me today from the Washington Post is Tim Bontemps. Timmy! What up, Verdo? Hey, man. So big news came out last night. We're going to try to set this up somewhat. Uh, the, the big news in the NBA is that a collective bargaining agreement was reached between the Players Association and the league, and we're going to try to set this up as, as somewhat of a, a CBA for dummies, going through major points that have been reported. You did an outstanding job reporting for the Washington Post, Adrian Wojnarowski with Yahoo, Mark Stein uh, with ESPN, David Aldridge, and I kind of like uh, from NBA.com, I've kind of pieced it all together different uh, facts about this new CBA, and we'll just kind of go through it and then talk about what it means. Is that good by you? Sounds great. Okay. Sounds great, buddy. Let's do it. Okay, first things first, um, what level of credit should Adam Silver and Michelle Roberts get for getting this all done? Should either get more credit than the other? Uh, no. I, no, I, I think both should get a ton of credit. I, I wouldn't put one over the other. I think it's just a matter of, you know, look, the, the league is a wash in cash right now. I mean, everybody, everybody's doing great. There's, you know, everybody's making a ton of money. So since the last uh, lockout in 2011, the salary cap has gone up almost by double by, uh, by next season. So, you know, clearly the players are making a ton of money. Franchise valuations through the roof. Um, I think there's 12 or 13 teams worth a billion or more now. Um, so, you know, it just, it just would have been suicidal given all the momentum both on and off the court that the league has right now uh, for them to risk it when everybody's making a ton of money. And I think, you know, there, you know, there was some, some little bit of drama in recent days when Carmelo said he was skeptical um, about the possibility of a, of a deal getting done. But at the end of the day, for basically two months, everyone has agreed that the, the revenue split was going to stay the same. And as soon as we knew back in October that, they all said, all right, we can stick with the money being the same from the last CBA. You knew there wasn't going to be a lockout because that's the only thing that's ever going to get anybody to consider missing games. All this other stuff that's been going on is, uh, all this other stuff that's been going on is, uh, you know, it's just kind of small potatoes and, and not nearly as important as making sure everybody agrees on the money. So what, you know, once that was out of the way, it's all, uh, you know, it was all good. What level of credit should David Stern get for the league being in this kind of position where they're not fighting about the big things? Um, I mean, I, I guess he could get some, but I mean, frankly, I think Adam probably deserves more credit than David just because during the last CBA in 2011, CBA negotiations, you know, Stern really kind of seated the floor to Adam and had him, you know, really at the table doing most of the negotiating as the, the league guy for the league. Cause he was about to take over anyway. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, the bottom line is that the, the really the biggest reason that there's no lockout is the, the giant new television deal. I mean, if you want to thank anybody, it's probably the executives at ESPN and Turner because, you know, the $3 billion basically coming into the league every year for the next eight years, you know, everybody's making a ton of money. So so there's there's no reason for anybody to bail, you know, like that. That, that really is the biggest thing more than anything. 
Well, you also got to thank, right, all of them, Fox, NBC, everybody, because the price got so high because everybody wanted it. Right. Like, I mean, there was that life yep. is leverage and yep. all of these. You remember Fox wanted games, NBC Sports and their channels wanted games like everybody got in the mix for that. And so it just kept driving the price up. Yeah, no, totally. No, totally. Yeah. I mean, you know, the NBA, the NBA is a huge uh, the NBA is a huge draw right now. And, you know, like you said, Fox, you know, FS1 was sitting there trying to get some live content. That led to, uh, you know, an NBC would have liked to get in the mix. That led to ESPN and Turner, you know, both ponying up huge money before that got to the open market to to keep the to keep the rights in house. So, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, the the whole situation has worked out really to the benefit of the league uh, from a, from a performance standpoint. I think the encore product is is better than ever. Um, you know, you just the, the games are fun to watch. There's a faster pace. There's more scoring, more free flowing. Um, you know, so I think. You know, I think on all levels, the NBA is building, has got a ton of momentum going in the right direction right now. And that's why, you know, it just would not have been, it would not have made any sense on any level for them to let anything get in their way of having a deal done. And again, especially once they agreed on the money, you knew that this was the eventual outcome because there, there wasn't going to be a lockout over, you know, licensing fees or, or some other silliness that's on the fringes when everybody agreed on the important stuff. All right, let's talk about some of those details. The league average salary is expected to jump from $5 million to anywhere from 8.5 to possibly $9 million, or at least in that range. Um, approximately a 45% jump in the rookie scale, minimum salary contracts, and then there's going to be some free agent exceptions um, that are going, including the mid-level. Um, every, every, it just seems like every, everybody's going to be getting paid not a little more, a lot more. If you're talking about 45% bumps in these numbers. Well, the way, so basically that 45% bump for 2017 is taking into account, um, all of the jumps that have gone in the salary cap since the last CBA was created. Right. Mm -hmm. So in 2011, when the, when the, the CBA, the last CBA was done, the cap was about 58 million next year. It's going to be over a hundred million. So all the 45% jump is doing is getting all of the numbers basically to where they're going to be moving forward. And then after next year, they're going to be based on a percentage of the salary cap. That'll probably be close to the percentage they are next year. So, you know, it is a big jump for one year, but the reason it's a big jump is because all of those numbers right now are artificially low. So they have to kind of catch them back up again um, in order to, uh, you know, in order to have everything kind of aligned with the cap properly, because right now, you know, the mid-level exception and all those kind, all the rookie contracts, like, that's the reason why first-round picks have been so popular, right? In terms of assets for teams, because those those salaries have been artificially low. So now, you know, by having all those kind of jump up to an accurate uh, position within the salary cap, it'll allow everybody to kind of use all those exceptions and have rookie contracts to kind of properly fit within the structure of the sour cap as opposed to being artificially low because they were set five or six years ago and the cap was $40 million low. Is there going to be a big jump next year? Obviously, you're talking about those numbers going up. But, like, I think last summer everybody said when you're seeing all these contracts being doled out that 
these guys, the guys that were free agents last year, were going to be the benefactor of this massive jump. And then things will kind of level out. But it does sound like we're going to get to another summer where we're going to see some just extraordinary contracts that we, we just got to recalibrate everything that, you know, $100 million just doesn't mean what $100 million used to mean when you see that number next to a guy's name. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, I don't think we're going to see anything like this summer because, frankly, there's just not very many teams that can sign anybody next summer. Um, you know, they're, they're, everybody had sour cap space this summer, so you saw every team going out and spending a ton of money. Um, next summer, I think there's only seven teams maybe that have significant cap space. So I think you'll see big contracts every year going forward now because of um, – because of the way the, the you know, the, like you said, if you're just, if the salary cap's over a hundred million dollars and a guy's making, you know, if a max is, you know, like Chandler Parsons in Memphis, you know, if he's getting 30% of a hundred million dollars, that's a lot of money. Right. Um, but I, I think it isn't going to ever be quite like last year again, just because there's not going to be the opportunity for basically every team in the league to go out and throw a max at somebody, which was the case last year. And which is why you had, you know, just an insane amount of money thrown around. Okay, tell me about this designated veteran star player and the idea that if you have a veteran star, and this is one of the reasons that uh, that is given for now teams are really going to be able to hold on to their stars possibly more than at any other time, you can give the guys up to five seasons, sometimes six seasons, if they've met some performance criteria. And, and that means it can be 30, and it can be 35% of the cap even if there's no cap room. And so it, it, to make this for dummies, this is what will affect, say, Paul George and DeMarcus Cousins, these type of guys, this upcoming offseason right now. And so if those guys are like all NBA guys or defensive player of the year or they meet some type of criteria, they'll be able to sign a six-year deal with their current team, whereas anyways, they'll be able to sign a five-year deal. So it's almost even more incentive for guys to re-sign with their current teams as long as their teams are willing to pony up the max, right? Yeah, so the the short answer here is that for Russell Westbrook next summer, the Thunder can go to him and offer him a 5-year max extension at 35% of the cap, which would be about which would start at $36 million. Um same for Paul George same for Boogie Cousins. Um, I still don't quite know what exactly these performance criteria are. It's kind of, it's obviously pretty important to know, um, you know, what exactly, uh, what exactly kicks in, um, what exactly kicks in that extension. But for guys of that ilk, they're all definitely going to be able to, to get it. And for, for teams you know, like you experienced this in Memphis the last couple of years. I, I don't know if Mike Conley would have qualified for it, but, but Marcus all would have. And so, you know, you guys sat through a whole year waiting to see for sure if Mark was going to come back, even though you felt pretty good about it. Um, you know, you had to wait for agency because it didn't make sense for him to sign an extension before, right? Now, next, next summer, Sam Preston can go to Russell Westbrook and say, all right, Russ, here's a five-year extension. You got one year left on your deal. We're going to give you another five after that, starting at the max. You can and you can start making a ton of money. What do you say? And it'll be up to Russ to either say, "Yeah, that sounds great," or you know what, Sam, I want to test free agency. And then if he says, "I want to test free agency," 
Well, then these teams have a choice, right? They could say, all right, we can, we can wait and hope our guy stays, or we could turn around and trade him. Because the problem before was that the extension rules were so crappy in the last CBA that there was no, there was no incentive for any player to sign one. So for guys like Lamarcus Aldridge and Kevin Durant, they, they, it, financially, they could tell their team, look, I want to stay here, but it doesn't make sense for me to lock in right now because the extension rules don't work in my favor. If, so let's wait until I get to free agency, then I'll sign a five-year deal. Well, then both guys left. So now, a full year out, you're going to know right away if guys are willing to commit to you long-term or not, and then teams can then decide, all right, it's time to trade this guy and get some assets for him. So I think it's a really good change because it's going to allow teams to, to fully understand if guys want to commit to them or not. And if they don't, it's going to give them an opportunity to turn around and get assets for those guys if they don't think they're going to resign. Does that mean – my immediate reaction to hearing you explain that is, well, goodness gracious, then that, that makes it way more likely that somebody like Blake Griffin could move. Because, I mean, is Ballmer going to pay – Blake Griffin and Chris Paul, $400 million in this offseason? Well, I mean, Steve Ballmer spent $2 billion to buy the Clippers. I get it. I I get it, but you still got to build a team. I think some – I mean, you still got to build a team, but, I mean, I – the point is, anybody who's as good as those guys, you can keep on the team. So, I mean, yes, I think – I don't think that it's really going to drastically change – the mindset of a team like the Clippers. Like, I I think they're, I think if those guys are willing to stay, I I think they're both going to be back. Um, Unless they just decide they don't want to sign one of them for a, you know, for a talent reason or a a fit reason. Um, You know, like I think the Thunder would have been paying Russell and and KD both whatever they had to pay him to keep them. Right. I mean, I, I I don't think, I don't think you're going to see, I don't think you're going to see teams run away from, uh, run away from signing guys. Cause frankly, you know, again, this kind of goes back to the same thing as before, right? Just as you were saying, you know, these numbers might seem more eye-popping than before, but it's all the same percentage of the cap as before. And there is also just way more money in the sport now. So the numbers seem crazy because they're so much bigger than they've been in the past, but there's also so much more money to pay everybody that, than there was in the past that it, it, it almost it just kind of cancels each other out. And you've got to just look at it in in the in the prism of all right, this is what a new max is. This is is this guy worth a max or not? And like for the Clippers, you know, CP3 and Blake at least next year are definitely going to be worth the max. Okay, but in the Warriors' case, you'd have four guys that if you put them out for free agency would all get the max. Well, right, and so maybe at some point down the road, maybe they won't be willing to pay all four guys. But that's also a pretty good problem to have. You know, I think I think just about any team in the league would be happy trying to decide if they want to give four All NBA players a, a max contract, or if they want to try to move on from one. I mean, that's that's uh, that's the definition of a first world problem in the NBA. Do you think this has eliminated that though? That you're not going to be able to have three amazing full max players like like the super teams? No, like the- it, I mean it, it hasn't. Well, it hasn't really changed. I mean, I mean, look, this I think this hasn't really changed that much. I mean, you're still, we're going to pay the, you might be paying some of these guys a little bit more than you were before, but it's not like, it's not like these contracts are, it's not like this rule has stated that, um, all right, we're going to, we can pay these guys half the salary cap now. Like 
none of the none of the max. I mean, his max salaries have changed a tiny bit. It's not worth explaining. Um, they're essentially the same. Um, and it, it's not like these these contracts are going to be way more than what they would be otherwise. Um, so, I mean, I think the the same problem a team would have had a year ago trying to pay four guys a max contract are are just the same now as they would have been. It's got nothing to do with. Okay, that has but, got nothing to do with this new rule. But I, but 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 in fairness, those great teams, you have to have guys that are taking less than their market value, right? So like Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker undoubtedly left money on the table throughout the years. Um, you could say the same is true of Dwayne Wade, right? And hell, that's why he's playing in Chicago right now. Um, and so you know, it, it, do you have with the team you've built? the guys that are willing to take a little bit less to stick in their current situation. Don't you think there's going to be a little more pressure for great players to do that if they want to stick in these type of situations? Because let's just be honest, the money ain't going to be there to give everybody what they, quote, deserve or could feasibly command. I think you're – I, I think you're. I think you're kind of. I think you're kind of missing the boat here. Honestly, like none of this stuff is real. Like all of these things that you're talking about are no different than they've been for the last ten years. Like I, it's nothing. Nothing on that end has really ever changed. I mean, teams are always going to see if guys will take a little less money. Um, I mean that that that. I mean, you mentioned the Spurs. They've been doing that for fifteen years or twenty years. I mean, I I, I don't this this rule change that we're talking about. And, and the stuff that's put in the new CBA, um, none of that stuff is different. Um, it's it just so, I mean, none of, none of this, none of this stuff from a, a grand, a, a, a big picture perspective is going to change whether the Warriors can keep all four guys. Like it isn't, it just isn't, um, it, it isn't, there isn't anything that happened that, that tipped the scale one way or the other um, in terms of saying, well, we can't afford to pay all four of these guys. Well, th- those rules aren't any different than before. So if they weren't going to be able to pay afford to pay them before, I mean, the, that they it's not like anything happened that made it less or more likely that they can now. If that makes sense. Okay. Well, then why am I? Why do I keep reading that teams that want to become super teams are losers in this situation? In fact, that's exactly what uh, when Kevin Pelton wrote an article on ESPN. Well, okay. Well, okay. So that I think what. I think what Kevin is referring to, I haven't read his article. There's been 5 million articles written. Right. I would imagine what, what KP is referring to is the fact that guys like Russell Westbrook and DeMarcus Cousins and Paul George um, are, are more likely to stay on their current team because they're getting this extension. That, that would be like, for instance, everybody kind of assumes DeMarcus Cousins is going to leave. But if DeMarcus Cousins can get a big – you know, can get a huge max contract right now. Um, it will be it will be difficult for for them to do that. Um, you know that that I that I think is what I just looked up the story quick to see and and yeah I think that um, that that's exactly what he was referring to. It's going to be harder for superstar players to turn down that money. Right. Like next summer, if you say to Russell Westbrook, here's an extension for two hundred fifty million dollars or whatever whatever the five-year extension would be, you know, that's going to be hard for him to say no to, as opposed to, well, I can't sign this extension now because I can only sign for two years and next year I could sign for five years. So why would I sign now? Well, and here's Um, the other thing, Tim, with both cousins and Westbrook, you're talking six. 
because it's totally – I mean, listen, Westbrook's going to be all NBA. If that's one of the criteria, right. Cousins going to have a chance. So now it's not even five years anymore. It's six years with one guy, and you know in those particular cases, if you're Oklahoma City, Westbrook's your one guy, and, and Cousins in Sacramento would be your one guy that you would designate and say, all right, we'll pay you six. So now you're talking about crazy money leaving on the table if you want to walk. Well, and just to be clear, the, when you say it's six years, what it actually is is with one year left, like right now, Russell Westbrook, under the old rules, next summer the Thunder could have offered Westbrook a three-year extension on top of the one year he had left. Okay, now they can offer him five more years. So just just so just so the listeners understand, it's not it's not that the Thunder are offering him a six-year contract; it'd be a five-year extension on top of the one extra year he had left. Just so people get that. Okay. Understood. Um, Okay. All right, Tim, we're going to get back into some more CBA talk. But first, a word from our sponsors. Late Night TV just got darker. Jesus Nice and the Kid Marrow have landed their own late night TV show on Viceland, the new TV channel from Vice. It's called Jesus and Marrow, late nights at 11 p.m. You may know these guys from the Bodega Boys podcast. Yes, podcasters can become TV stars these days. You might know them from Twitter.com. Apparently, Twitter people can get TV shows, too. This is not your typical late night show. No white guys named Jimmy, no A-list celebrities selling their new movie, no scripted jokes, no band, just two guys from the Bronx giving you their takes on culture, politics, sports, entertainment, and other subjects they don't really know anything about. Last night's episode had Nick Cannon on it, and it was hilarious. Watch the show because Mero has mad kids and Jesus loves sneakers, and they're funny and other late night shows are corny. Watch Jesus and Mero on TV on Viceland every Monday through Thursday at 11 p.m. Go to Viceland.com to find your channel and check out some free episodes. The brand is strong. Ringer NBA show also brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites. And now you can. ZipRecruiter has 9 million resumes you can search through in their database. You can add multiple people to your account to make it the most efficient for your team and find the best hire. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. ZipRecruiter is a search engine for finding and posting jobs, finding candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll in to ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. ZipRecruiter has been featured on Forbes, The Wall Street Journal, Time Magazine, The New York Times, TechCrunch, and CBS. ZipRecruiter's website shows trending career fields, cities, and searches. And right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to by going to ZipRecruiter.com backslash ringer. That's ZipRecruiter.com backslash ringer. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com backslash ringer. No amnesty clause. Uh, there's previously been an nope. amnesty clause clause allowing teams yep. to waive players and have their salaries removed from the cap. So what? how does that affect things? Um, well, I mean, for it, you know, there are a lot of teams that already like to use the amnesty clause. Uh, uh, you know, the New York Knicks, for example, would be um, would really love to get rid of Joakim Noah's contract. They can't. 
Uh, so Already? Blunt, blunt to get rid of the wall. Well, I mean, I, I think it's pretty obvious that that hasn't worked. Bro, he's played, uh, you know, he's and, played and, 25 and, games. Yeah, and he's been terrible. So, I mean, if if, the, if you could tell the Knicks you could get out of that contract at the end of the season, they would say that sounds great. Um, same with Luol Deng with the, with the Lakers. I think they'd be quite happy if they could get out of that contract at the end of this year. Um, you know, you, you can, you know, Miles Plumley got signed for $52 million by the Bucs, and he hasn't basically gotten off the bench all season. Um, so I think if you, you can run down the list and there are a lot of teams that wouldn't have minded, um, wouldn't have minded having an amnesty clause in the deal, but you know, the, the structures of the, of the CBA didn't really change from a financial standpoint, which is, which is part of why, uh, there's no amnesty provision. And, you know, frankly, there's a lot of teams that just manage their cap much better that said, we don't want these teams to get a, get out of jail free card. You know, they're, you know, we don't want the Knicks and the Lakers who can afford to just cut a, $50 million check to Joe Kimno and Luol Deng to be able to do that. Um, so, you know, that, you know, if for some teams that's going to wind up being a, you know, being a, a negative that there isn't one, but I, you know, clearly for the majority of teams, they looked at it and said, this isn't something we really need to do. So it does seem like this, Tim, with this new collective bargaining agreement, smart management is a, at a premium more than ever. That would be my first takeaway just from the conversation we've already had. Because of the amnesty thing, you can't just buy your way out of things. You know, this was one of the reasons that they it, it did the whole luxury tax and made it so punitive that you can't just spend and spend and spend and spend and spend and it, it, there not be punishment for that. Um, and you can't just spend your way out of your mistakes. And the other thing is when you're talking about being able to re-sign players and it being such a massive advantage for teams that already have control of said players to re-sign them, the draft becomes even way more important than ever because your ability to get a great, great player, I mean, outside of, you know what I mean? Like you, you, to get to attain a great, great player, you're either going to have to do it via trade or via draft because you, you're just not going to be able to count on being able to get that guy via free agency. At least you can't plan that way. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, and I, I think that's still the way that everybody has really acted. I mean, you know, there've been a, there've been a couple prominent guys who've changed teams the last couple of years, but it's still clear that the, the best path to success is, is better to draft guys, you know, or trade for guys earlier in their, their, their career. Like, you know, the, you know, look at Memphis, right. They saw they drafted, um, drafted Mike Conley, got Marcus All's draft rights, um, you know, traded for Zach Randolph forever ago. Um, you know, you, you, uh, that it's always going to be the best way to do it to build through the draft. Cause then you, you have the guys in house and, and, and the system is now more set up than ever to convince guys to stay. Now, I, I don't think that's a, I don't think it guarantees that guys are going to stay, but it certainly makes it, um, much more palatable for guys to avoid free agency and you look at the Thunder and the, the Blazers the last couple of years, and if they could have kept their guys in free agency, they would have been a lot happier with the way situations turned out. So, um, so I definitely think that you know going forward, you know, there's certainly a stronger possibility to how KP wrote it and how you put it that um, that a lot of these star players might not get to free agency at all. Um, because of the amount of money that's going to be thrown well, around, it makes, and, you, it, it and, makes uh, you wonder. And that'll make right? it harder to build super teams, like you it, like you said. Yeah, it makes you wonder. 
if this is the standard, like the, this, I'll be interested to see what happens as years go by. But does the Miami thing ever happen? And does and like we said, I mean, if we accept Durant's probably not in Golden State under these rules, then I think it's probably fair to accept that if we would have gone back in time, you know, that Miami thing never gets put together. Like that's how Miami built that. They signed Chris Bosch and they and they got, you know, LeBron James in free agency. That's how they did it. And and Golden State got Durant in free agency. They didn't get those guys via trade or draft. Right. And, yeah, right. I just don't know. And, if I mean, look, if gonna... guys want to play together, they're I still going to make it happen, I think. But, Maybe so. You know, the the bottom the bottom line is, you know, this does make it this does make it more enticing for guys to re-sign with their current teams. So, I mean, just just from a strictly macro like probability standpoint it is more unlikely to have these teams form because you're not going to have these guys being able to turn down insane amounts of money to stay with their current team i still think that it's going to happen but it's the the system is better built to prevent guys from doing that now i for one love that um i also love the max roster size going from 15 to 17 and this installment of two-way contracts like they have in the NHL, which is basically now you've got two extra roster spots, but you can have guys that are you know can shift back and forth from the D-League. And basically, if I understand this correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, um, when they're in the D-League, they get paid D-League money. When they're in the NBA, they get paid NBA money. And that's the end of the story, right? They're on your roster. They're a rostered player. But if they're playing in the D-League, they get paid like they're in the D-League. If they're on your NBA roster, they get paid like they're an NBA player, correct? That's exactly right. Okay. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll make somewhere between seventy five and 100000 bucks in the D-League, and they'll make you know whatever the minimum salary they'll be on in, in the NBA. And, and I agree with you. That's a really good step forward. Um, you know, having, having guys that can go to the D-League and develop and come back and play for you, um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help teams, you know, kind of develop and, uh, and, and improve players. It's going to keep young players from having to go to Europe to make a decent buck um, because they can make a hundred grand playing in the D league instead of making 25, which is what the average D league guy makes. Um, so I think from a long-term sustainability standpoint for the league, it's a huge step forward. Um, and it, 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 I think you're really going to see a lot of teams reap the benefits of it. I mean, you look at a team like the Spurs, right? Jonathan Simmons has become a rotation player for them after playing in the D-League for the Austin Spurs. If every team can use those two roster spots and come up with another guy like Jonathan Simmons every couple of years to play for them, that's a gigantic win. And, it, you know, it's going to help young guys get better. It's going to get young guys more money. Um, so I, I think it, I think it's a great development and, and, a, a, and honestly a, a win-win for everybody. Well, and the other thing is it, that puts a great onus on these teams that can develop players. Right, they create yep. another advantage. It yep. creates a great advantage for them. The ones that are great at player development now have another advantage. I, I got to think they'll expand playoff rosters too, right? If the regular season roster is going to be able to go up to seventeen, I've got to imagine they'll probably extend the playoff roster by a player or two. I don't know, don't know about that. Yeah. I'm guessing it would probably just stay at fifteen, but uh, but who knows? I, I haven't. That's actually one thing I haven't hundred uh, percent. Um, nailed down or frankly even really thought about but um, but yeah it, it you could my, my guess is you'd have to set a playoff roster of probably just 15 guys but that that's honestly just a guess oh I thought playoff rosters were 12 am I wrong about that 
Well, no, I meant like teams have no teams. Like you don't have all 15 guys in your playoff roster. You just can only have 13 active. 13 active. Um, that's what, okay. So, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. Right. Right. Okay. Right. So I, I would guess, I would guess that it's going to stay the same. I, I would guess the two way guys won't be part of the, the playoff roster, but that that's just a guess. I, I haven't, I haven't officially nailed that down either way. Season's going to start earlier. I guess the major thing that comes out of this is, uh, you know, less preseason and hopefully uh, a small opportunity to have less back-to-backs throughout the year. Yeah, it's going to be one week earlier. Um, one week. The preseason will be one week shorter. Regular season will be one week longer. Um, it will, uh, you know, it, it will it will allow for less back-to-backs, less four and five nights. And, um, you know, a better, uh, you know, just more opportunities to get guys rest, you know, hopefully less situations like what happened in Memphis last night where the Cavs uh, didn't send their, their stars down, down to, to play your team. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully that stuff will change. And, you know, the NBA has been, you know, pretty strident about trying to, um, trying to reduce back-to-backs and, and try to really – have as much focus on player health as possible. And, you know, to their credit, I think they've done a really nice job of that. And, you know, this is, this is another step forward in that department. And, um, you know, I, I think it's one that, you know, look, anybody who's watched the NBA preseason the last few years has seen that these teams don't really use the preseason anyway. I mean, it's, it's just, it's just a money-making exercise and it's basically a waste of time for everybody. So the, the, the less time we have to spend on these, you know, these fake preseason games that guys are sitting out half of and don't count when guys are working out all year round. Anyway, it's not like they exactly have to get back in shape. They're at the, I mean, you know, I mean, you've seen guys are working out together at the gym. You know, these teams are getting together in like early September now. Well, and um, I don't understand why they can't just, so. I, I don't understand why they can't just do it. Like, you know, these NFL teams do like I've been, I've been, uh, you know, like I've seen, uh, you know, like where you, you do have a, where they come to like, training camp and it's almost like they practice together for three days and then at the end of the week they play a preseason game against each other in front of fans whatever but you get a live look against another team like I, I don't know I, I think I think the NFL actually has that one right where they kind of let these teams just play against each other but it's not necessarily the whole time to just fill you know, fill an arena with fans or put on an exhibition. I mean, the preseason is awful. I just every year, I just dread it every year. <laughs> yeah, no, it's the worst, and that that's it why is. shortening it is a, is a great yeah. thing for everybody. So, uh, okay. I, I think that I think that's going to be a big one. Sounds like early entry is still going to be 19 years old. Um, American players, of course, have to be one year removed from high school. Um, early entry, 19 years old, uh, but it it doesn't sound like this is a hard, fast rule that this is something that might, uh, that is tabled for right now, but can be negotiated. It's not going to necessarily be this way for the next seven years, uh, because of a new, uh, uh, CBA, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, that's something that, that Adrian Wojnarowski has reported. So I take that as gospel from him. And, and I, you know, that, Basically, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't change. I think if we go back to 2011, I'm pretty sure that a similar conversation was had that, yeah, let's table this and talk about it later, and it wound up never changing. Um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it changed in some form down the road. 
I also really won't be surprised if in six years when we're talking about the next CBA, um, we're still with the one and done rule. Um, you know, I, I don't think we're going back to zero. I, I don't think it's going to really go up that much. Maybe they get it to two years at some point in exchange for something with the players. But, you know, I, I think overall the league is happy with, with the way the, the rule has, has, uh, has developed. And, you know, I, I think I, I'll be surprised if we see really big changes in it anytime soon. I would like to see the either you make your you know, either zero, right? You can leave straight out of high school. Right? We got too many superstars that left right after high school, and it, they turned out just fine, yep. to be honest. Okay, so you yep. can, it, those guys that are these transcendent guys, and I know people can bring up the Corleone, Young, Corleone Youngs of the world, but they can also bring up the Kobe's and the LeBron's and the McGrady's and all these great, great players. So I, I'm just saying you can either leave straight after if you've got the ability to go and be in the NBA, or you got to go to school for two years. And – how about this? Even put in the protection for the guys that think they have a chance. And then they enter, and it doesn't work out, and they don't get drafted. Then they can go back to school, right? You, they haven't, like, blown it forever if they're a high school kid that puts their name in the draft. And the other thing is you've got expanded rosters now. You've got two more roster spots. Yep. Right? So, yep. Well, I, listen, I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you. I think, I, think that, uh, I, think, I think that's what the rule should be. Um, the, the, the either go in right out of high school or you have to stay in college for a certain amount of time. That's the rule they have in baseball. I think it's a great rule. I think, I think that, I think that would kind of be the best of both worlds. And I, I and I, if I think, I think if the rule ever changes, I think that's what it's going to change to. Um, some form of you either can go in when you want. And if you, if you get, you know, or if you go to college, you have to go for X amount of time. That's my, and it'll be more than a year. That's my, uh, that's my assumption. And, uh, you know, I'm with you. I think that's the way to go um, would be the best for everyone. And obviously, you know, you're a hundred percent right. There, there should be, um, there should be a situation uh, where if a guy in that situation doesn't get drafted, he can still go to college and do stuff. But, you know, and I imagine now given, given where the league is at in terms of, you know, looking at the bigger picture on this kind of stuff, I'd be pretty surprised if, you know, they got around to making that kind of rule in, in the future, which, like I said, I do think is possible um, if they didn't have that kind of protections in there to kind of, you know, save guys from themselves. I get you. I mean, forcing Ben Simmons to go to LSU for a year is just stupid. I mean, it's, just a, it's, a waste, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of everybody's time, right? He's, he can go get – I get the whole maturing or whatever, but he, he, has, he doesn't want to be there. <laughs> He's only going there because he has to, literally yeah. only because he has to. You're forcing him yeah. to go to pick a college to go make a mockery of it for one year, <laughs> you know? So yep. I hope that I yep. hope it's not tabled forever, and I hope they do change that. Um, union officials are now going to handle negotiations for player likenesses in licensing agreements. The NBA has handled that for three decades, and what they did is they would just they would they would own the player likenesses. So I presuppose this would be like say uh, EA Sports or whoever, Two K Sports or whoever, and then they would distribute a flat fee to the players in millions, right? And But this is not the same with the NFL and Major League Baseball or the NHL. So the NBA, that was one of their fights, or the Players Association was, we want it to be like these other leagues. Um, What level of significance? I was trying to figure this out in terms of, and I do wonder if the NBA PA is going to look back and go, 
well, damn, the NBA did a really good job of selling all this stuff and getting our cut. Like now it's now it's their responsibility to sell this stuff and make X amount of money off of it. But if it was something they fought for, they obviously think they can make a lot of money off of it, right? Well, that's the, the, the all the other um all the other unions, that's how it was set up. They they had control over this stuff and it did it themselves. And the NBA, you know, the players association was paying the NBA an FB and the league was doing it and they wanted to they wanted to have their own control over it. So, you know, I, that that isn't even actually really part of the CBA. It's like a separate thing that got kinda put in put in the mix here because that's usually what happens when you're um right. When you're when you're discussing stuff like this, you kind of put everything on the table, and uh, yeah, it's something the players wanted, and I think that uh, you know, I, I mean, it should, it should work out well for them. I mean, it, you know, it should should be a good thing, and we'll see if we'll see if they can execute it the way they hope to. But but that is something you know that we heard in recent days was something they really wanted, and it appears that they've gotten it. All right, here's a big one, Tim. Uh, the 36 and under rule has changed to the 38 and under rule, so. For to make this for dummies, the rule prohibited players from signing a five-year deal max or five-year max deal. If they're Here, 30- here's, you can we can even make it we can make okay. it even simpler than that. Before before Chris Paul and LeBron James would not have been able to sign one last giant contract. Now they can. That's that's the rule. <laughs> it's that it's really that simple. Well, Chris Paul, they, LeBron they James, too, and, and Carmelo. Uh, well, Carmelo, I don't think is going to apply for it because he his contract runs much farther than theirs. Um, so I don't think he could. I, I mean, he'll be able to sign another deal toward the end of it, but by then, like he he's kind of already going to fade it out of the max territory by the time he's thirty five. So um, that's going to be less of an issue for him. It's it's more going to be for you know LeBron will be able to sign a new deal after next season, and Chris will be able to sign one after this season. And because of the way this rule is now set up, they both can sign five-year maxes for an insane amount of money um, and cash in one last time, which is ironic given that Chris and, Car- and LeBron are the top two people in charge of the union and are now set up to make a bunch of money off the change. So, um, that I mean, that, that, would have, that rule would have changed regardless of whether they were in charge or not. It's just kind of funny to, to put it, point it out that way. But, um, but that, that's the, the essence is guys like, the, like those guys – can more easily get one last giant contract, which you know, which before they would not have been able to. Well, I read this morning that Paul's contract on the, on the full max would, if it's a five year deal, would be two hundred and seven million. Five years, two oh seven. Yep. <laughs> I mean, yep. good grief. Yep. And you will. I mean, yep. you do wonder what is Paul right now? What is he? Probably 32, 33 maybe. What do you think? How old do you he'll think? Be 30, he'll be thirty. He'll be thirty two. He's gonna be thirty two. Wow, he's thirty two. He'll either he'll be he'll either be thir- I'm looking it up right now. He'll either yeah, okay. be 32 or 33 next season. Yeah, in May. He'll turn he'll 32 th- in May. Yeah. So, so he'll th- be he'll be 30. He'll it'll be 32 to 36 for his next contract. Hmm. Yeah, because it's a lot of money. That is, and do you want to pay a 36 year old Chris Paul max money? You know. Yeah, I mean that's you know that's something they're going to have to that's something they're going to have to weigh. Right. Well, I mean, I'll just tell you, when you see all those numbers going to be thrown around, you do wonder when we go when you're talking about minimum guys, we're talking about minimum guys and you're talking about like the I mean, the average salary being almost nine million dollars. I mean, a lot of these contracts just aren't going to look nearly 
as bad as as we all reacted, right? Everybody reacted like, wow, that guy got that and that guy got that. And now it, like the reality setting in that everybody's going to be making crazy money. Everybody. Like the numbers are just not what they used to be. And so we got to totally recalibrate the way we think about those things. Right? Like, Yep. That's, even that's the-, the best way to think about it is, is that it's, it's, I mean, the numbers are bigger, but everything is, is bigger now. So you, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's everybody's spending more money, um, but everybody's also making way more money. So it's, it's just kind of, you know, you got to just kind of think about it in that context. And, you know, this is why people have always said it'd be better if these contracts were just listed as so-and-so is making 35% of the salary cap. Um, because then, you know, whether it's 35% of 10 million or 35% of a hundred million, it's the same percentage. And you just would kind of go, all right, well, he's getting 35%. Um, but, you know, obviously it's, it's not listed that way, but that that's probably the better way to think about it is that, you know, these guys are making, think about it in terms of this guy's making a percentage of an overall number as opposed to, Oh wow. He's making this giant number. Yeah. Uh, Tim, I think we did a reasonable job of being able to break down the CBA and the new things that have been announced over the course. I think so. As NBA fans, it's thrilling, right? It all seems like a good deal. Everybody's going to remain happy. And beyond anything, we're not going to be without basketball for any amount of time, um, which was, it was awful. It was awful for all kinds of people involved uh, back several years ago now. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. That, the important thing is that a deal got done and, and, and a sport that's thriving will remain thriving. That, yeah. that more than anything else, that, that's what really matters. You have joined me on the podcast a couple of times already this year. Um, I want to ask you one quick trivia question if I can. Who is in, <laughs> okay? Who is in third place in the Eastern Conference as of right now? The Knicks. Thank you. They're Thank also you. not going to be in third for very long, but they're in third right now. <laughs> you told me they were going to suck, Tim. It'll suck. Well, they've they've gone on a really nice run. They they've had a soft schedule and they've taken advantage of it. They beat a bunch of bad teams in close <laughs> games, um, but they. The schedule's going to get harder, and they're also, I think, two games out of tenth. <laughs> so they could, they could, they could. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, they, yeah, they are two games out of ten. Don't you so, understand? I'm taking advantage. I'm taking advantage of this. This is the one moment in time that they will ever be third place in the Eastern Conference, and you happen to be on. I know they have a negative point differential. For God's sake. I yes, I yeah, I know, and and it's going to get worse tonight. They're playing the Warriors here out in the Bay tonight, and uh, you know what though? Here, here's what matters for the Knicks. Chris Asporzingis is going to be a superstar, and he already, I think, is a borderline All Star this year. So. Um, nothing else matters for the Knicks. Like for the CBA, all that matters is that it's done and it's, it's good that the league is rolling for the Knicks. All that matters is that they have a guy who for the next 10 years is going to be one of the best players in the league. And that, that is for, you know, for New York basketball fans, that's finally something for them to be excited about after a lot of misery. All right. I will ask you one basketball question because I want to get your opinion on this. The two hottest teams in the league are the Toronto Raptors, who have won nine of their last 10, and the Houston Rockets, who have won nine of their last 10. Which of those two teams do you believe in more? Um, who do I believe in more? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I guess it depends on what your criteria is, because I, I believe in both to some respects. I I think that the Raptors are are um, are much 
are much more likely to get back to the Eastern Conference Finals than anybody else in the East. Um, I, I just think they're pretty clearly the second-best team, even though they're also pretty clearly far behind the Cavs. Uh, I think Houston's really good, though. Um, I think they're the fourth-best team in the West. I think they're going to make it to the second round of the playoffs. Um, Mike D'Antoni's system is just a perfect fit for that team. James Harden's been incredible. Um, so I, I guess, I mean, I guess in, in some way I kind of believe in both, um, though I do think that both ceiling is kind of limited um, in the grand scheme. But I, I think what they're doing is legit. I, mean, I, I think those are two really yeah. good teams that, that should this. remain good barring injury. Houston has really hit their stride. And people say, oh, we still got to play defense, whatever. I mean, like they, listen, you watch them night in, night out, they're going to be able to just outscore you. Like if you'll play, the, it's one of those that if you can be a master of that type of game, and they are, I mean, you see that, it was going around the internet last night. Uh, I saw it all over Twitter. Do you see their shot chart from last night? Like it was like a masterpiece of, you know, lay it up yep. or tray it up. Like either every yep. every shot they took was either in the paint or behind the three point line. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, it, it you know, I mean, look, there for eight years, Mike D'Antoni has waited to have a team that could run his offense, and and you know what? Now they have a team that can run his offense, and the results are kind of speaking for themselves. You know, like yeah. they're <laughs> they they look like a. They look like a totally different team, and you know it's it's fun to see. I mean, I've always been a huge Mike fan. Um, I, I think that you know he he's kind of gotten a raw deal since leaving Phoenix, and you know it's it's fun to it's fun to see that team play because you know putting the ball in James Harden's hands and letting him make shots for other guys, and Eric Gordon's bearing threes, and Ryan Anderson's bearing threes, and they're they're a really fun um, they're a really fun really fun team to watch, and and I do think they're legit too. Tim, I think we did pretty good making our way through the CBA and all the big news. It's clearly going to change everything that takes place in the NBA for a long, long time, but it sounds like everybody's going to end up being happy, and I know uh, both of us are going to be happy because at least we don't have to worry about work stoppages. You the man. Enjoy that uh, Knicks-Warriors game tonight, brother. I will, man. Good to catch up as always. Thanks, Tim. Tim Bontemps from the Washington Post. That's going to do it for another edition of the Ringer NBA show. If you dig what you're hearing, head over to iTunes, give us a rating and review, and we will talk to you on Tuesday. Thanks again to Capital One's CreditWise app for sponsoring us today. Capital One created the CreditWise app, so you can check your credit score anytime you want right in the app. It's free to everyone, so download CreditWise today. Availability depends on presence of credit history from TransUnion. CreditWise is offered by Capital One Bank USA N.A. Today's show is brought to you by Capital One's CreditWise app. Capital One created the CreditWise app. You can check your credit score anytime you want right in the app. It's free to everyone, so download CreditWise today. Availability depends on presence of credit history from TransUnion. CreditWise is offered by Capital One Bank USA N.A.
Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me today from the Washington Post is Tim Bontemps. Timmy! What up, Verdo? Hey, man. So big news came out last night. We're going to try to set this up somewhat. Uh, the, the big news in the NBA is that a collective bargaining agreement was reached between the Players Association and the league, and we're going to try to set this up as, as somewhat of a, a CBA for dummies, going through major points that have been reported. You did an outstanding job reporting for the Washington Post, Adrian Wojnarowski with Yahoo, Mark Stein uh, with ESPN, David Aldridge, and I kind of like uh, from NBA.com, I've kind of pieced it all together different uh, facts about this new CBA. And we'll just kind of go through it and then talk about what it means. Is that good by you? Sounds great. Okay, Sounds great, buddy. Let's do it. Okay, first things first. Um, what level of credit should Adam Silver and Michelle Roberts get for getting this all done? Should either get more credit than the other? Uh, no. I, no, I, I think both should get a ton of credit. I, I wouldn't put one over the other. I think it's just a matter of, you know, look, the, the league is awash in cash right now. I mean, everybody, everybody's doing great. There's, you know, everybody's making a ton of money. But since the last uh, lockout in 2011, the salary cap has gone up almost by double by, uh, by next season. So, you know, clearly the players are making a ton of money. Franchise valuations through the roof. Um, I think there's 12 or 13 teams worth a billion or more now. Um, so, you know, it just, it just would have been suicidal given all the momentum both on and off the court that the league has right now uh, for them to risk it when everybody's making a ton of money. And I think, you know, there, you know, there was some, some little bit of drama in recent days when Carmelo said he was skeptical um, about the possibility of a, of a deal getting done. But at the end of the day, for basically two months, everyone has agreed that the, the revenue split was going to stay the same. And as soon as we knew back in October that, they all said, all right, we can stick with the money being the same from the last CBA. You knew there wasn't going to be a lockout because that's the only thing that's ever going to get anybody to consider missing games. All this other stuff that's been going on is, uh, all this other stuff that's been going on is, uh, you know, it's just kind of small potatoes and, and not nearly as important as making sure everybody agrees on the money. So what, you know, once that was out of the way, it's all, uh, you know, it was all good. What level of credit should David Stern get for the league being in this kind of position where they're not fighting about the big things? Um, I mean, I, I guess he could get some, but I mean, frankly, I think Adam probably deserves more credit than David just because during the last CBA in 2011, CBA negotiations, you know, Stern really kind of seeded the floor to Adam and had him, you know, really at the table doing most of the negotiating as the, the lead guy for the league. Cause he was about to take over anyway. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, the bottom line is that the, the really the biggest reason that there's no lockout is the, the giant new television deal. And if you want to thank anybody, it's probably the executives at ESPN and Turner because, you know, the $3 billion basically coming into the league every year for the next eight years, you know, everybody's making a ton of money. So, so there's, there's no reason for anybody to bail, you know, like that, that, that really is the biggest thing more than anything. Well, and you also got to thank, right, all of them, Fox, NBC, everybody, because the price got so high because everybody wanted it, right? Like, I mean, there was the life yep. is leverage and yep. all of these. You remember Fox wanted games, NBC Sports and their channels wanted games. Like, everybody got in the mix for that, and so it just kept driving the price up. Yeah, no, totally. No, totally. Yeah. I mean, you know, the NBA, the NBA is a huge, uh, the NBA is a huge draw right now, and, you know, like you said, Fox, you know, FS1 was sitting there 
trying to get some live content. That led to, uh, you know, an NBC would have liked to get in the mix. That led to ESPN and Turner, you know, both ponying up huge money before that got to the open market to to keep the keep the rights in house. So, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, the the whole situation has worked out really to the benefit of the league uh, from a, from a performance standpoint. I think the encore product is is better than ever. Um, you know, you just the, the games are fun to watch. There's a faster pace. There's more scoring, more free flowing. Um, you know, so I think. You know, I think on all levels, the NBA is building, has got a ton of momentum going in the right direction right now. And that's why, you know, it just would not have been, it would not have made any sense on any level for them to let anything get in their way of having a deal done. And again, especially once they agreed on the money, you knew that this was the eventual outcome because there, there wasn't going to be a lockout over, you know, licensing fees or, or some other silliness that's on the fringes when everybody agreed on the important stuff. All right, let's talk about some of those details. The league average salary is expected to jump from $5 million to anywhere from 8.5 to possibly $9 million, or at least in that range. Um, approximately a 45% jump in the rookie scale, minimum salary contracts, and then there's going to be some free agent exceptions um, that are going, including the mid-level. Um, every, every, it just seems like every, everybody's going to be getting paid not a little more, a lot more. If you're talking about 45% bumps in these numbers. Well, the way, so basically the, that 45% bump for 2017 is taking into account um, all of the jumps that have gone in the salary cap since the last CBA was created. Right. Mm-hmm. So in 2011, when the, when the, the CBA, the last CBA was done, the cap was about 58 million next year. It's going to be over a hundred million. So all the 45% jump is doing is getting all of the numbers basically to where they're going to be moving forward. And then after next year, they're going to be based on a percentage of the salary cap. That'll probably be close to the percentage they are next year. So, you know, it is a big jump for one year, but the reason it's a big jump is because all of those numbers right now are artificially low. So they have to kind of catch them back up again um, in order to, uh, you know, in order to have everything kind of aligned with the cap properly, because right now, you know, the mid-level exception and all those kind, all the rookie contracts, like, that's the reason why first-round picks have been so popular, right? In terms of assets for teams, because those those salaries have been artificially low. So now, you know, by having all those kind of jump up to an accurate uh, position within the salary cap, it'll allow everybody to kind of use all those exceptions and have rookie contracts to kind of properly fit within the structure of the salary cap as opposed to being artificially low because they were set five or six years ago and the cap was $40 million lower. Is there going to be a big jump next year? Obviously, you're talking about those numbers going up. But, like, I think last summer everybody said when you're seeing all these contracts being doled out that – these guys, the guys that were free agents last year, were going to be the benefactor of this massive jump, and then things will kind of level out. But it does sound like we're going to get to another summer where we're going to see some just extraordinary contracts that we we just got to recalibrate everything. That you know, a hundred million dollars just doesn't mean what a hundred million dollars used to mean when you see that number next to a guy's name. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, I don't think we're going to see anything like this summer because, frankly, there's just not very many teams that can sign anybody next summer. Um, you know, they're, they're, everybody had salary cap space this summer, so you saw every team going out and spending a ton of money. Um, next summer, I think there's only seven teams maybe 
that have significant cap space. So I think you'll see big contracts every year going forward now because of um, because of the way the, the you know the, like you said if you're just if the salary cap's over 100 million dollars and a guy's making you know if a max is you know like Chandler Parsons in Memphis you know if he's getting 30 percent of 100 million dollars that's a lot of money right um, but I, I think it isn't going to ever be quite like last year again just because there's not going to be the opportunity for basically every team in the league to go out and throw a max at somebody, which was the case last year, and which is why you had you know just an insane amount of money thrown around. Okay, tell me about this designated veteran star player and the idea that if you have a veteran star, and this is one of the reasons that uh, that is given for now teams are really going to be able to hold on to their stars possibly more than at any other time. You can give the guys up to five seasons, sometimes six seasons, if they've met some performance criteria, and, and that means it can be thirty, and it can be thirty-five percent of the cap, even if there's no cap room. And so, it, it, to make this for dummies, this is what will affect, say, Paul George and Demarcus Cousins, these type of guys, this upcoming offseason right now. And so, if those guys are like all NBA guys or Defensive Player of the Year, or they meet some type of criteria, they'll be able to sign a six-year deal with their current team. Whereas, anyways, they'll be able to sign a five-year deal. So it's almost even more incentive for guys to re-sign with their current teams as long as their teams are willing to pony up the max, right? Yeah. So the the short answer here is that for Russell Westbrook next summer, the Thunder can go to him and offer him a five-year max extension at 35% of the cap, which would be about which would start at $36 million. Um, same for Paul George, same for Boogie Cousins. Um, I still don't quite know what exactly these performance criteria are. It's kind of, it's obviously pretty important to know, um, you know, what exactly, uh, what exactly kicks in, um, what exactly kicks in that extension. But for guys of that ilk, they're all definitely going to be able to, to get it. And for, for teams, you know, like you experienced this in Memphis the last couple of years. I, I don't know if Mike Conley would have qualified for it, but, but Marcus all would have. And so, you know, you guys sat through a whole year waiting to see for sure if Mark was going to come back, even though you felt pretty good about it. Um, you know, you had to wait the free agency because it didn't make sense for him to sign an extension before, right? Now, next, next summer, Sam Presti can go to Russell Westbrook and say, all right, Russ, here's a five-year extension. You got one year left on your deal. We're going to give you another five after that, starting at the max. You can and you can start making a ton of money. What do you say? And it'll be up to Russ to either say, "Yeah, that sounds great," or you know what, Sam, I want to test free agency. And then if he says, "I want to test free agency," well, then these teams have a choice, right? They could say, "All right, we can we can wait and hope our guy stays, or we could turn around and trade him." Because the problem before was that the extension rules were so crappy in the last CBA that there was no there was no incentive for any player to sign one. So for guys like LaMarcus Aldridge and Kevin Durant, they they it, financially they could tell their team, "Look, I want to stay here, but it doesn't make sense for me to lock in right now because the extension rules don't work in my favor." If so let's wait until I get to free agency then I'll sign a 5-year deal. Well then both guys left. So now a full year out, you're going to know right away if guys are willing to commit to you long-term or not. 
And then teams can then decide, all right, it's time to trade this guy and get some assets for him. So I, I think it's a really good change because it's going to allow teams to, to fully understand if guys want to commit to them or not. And if they don't, it's going to give them an opportunity to turn around and get assets for those guys if they don't think they're going to resign. Does that mean – my immediate reaction to hearing you explain that is, well, goodness gracious, then that, that makes it way more likely that somebody like Blake Griffin could move because, I mean, is Ballmer going to pay Blake Griffin and Chris Paul $400 million in this offseason? Well, I mean, Steve Ballmer spent $2 billion to buy the Clippers. I, so, I get I it. Mean, I, would, I get I, it, but you I still got to build a team. I think some – I mean, you still got to build a team, but, I mean, I, I – I, the point is, it's anybody who's as good as those guys, you can keep on the team. So, I mean, yes, I think I, I don't think that it's really going to drastically change the mindset of a team like the Clippers. Like, I, I think they're, I think if those guys are willing to stay, I, I think they're both going to be back, um, unless they just decide they don't want to sign one of them for a, you know, for a talent reason or a, a fit reason. Um, you know, like I think the Thunder would have been paying Russell and, and KD both whatever they had to pay him to keep them. Right. I mean, I, I, I don't think, I don't think you're going to see, um, I don't think you're going to see teams run away from, uh, run away from signing guys. Cause frankly, you know, again, this kind of goes back to the same thing as before, right? Just as you were saying, you know, these numbers might seem more eye popping than before, but it's all the same percentage of the cap as before. And there was also just way more money in the sport now. So the numbers seem crazy because they're so much bigger than they've been in the past. But there's also so much more money to pay everybody that, than there was in the past that it, it, it almost it just kind of cancels each other out. And you've got to just look at it in, in, the, in the prism of, all right, this is what a new max is. This is, is this guy worth a max or not? And like for the Clippers, you know, CP3 and Blake, at least next year, are definitely going to be worth the max. Okay, but in the Warriors' case, you'd have four guys that if you put them out for free agency would all get the max. Well, right, and so maybe at some point down the road, maybe they won't be willing to pay all four guys. But that's also a pretty good problem to have. You know, I think I think just about any team in the league would be happy trying to decide if they want to give four All NBA players a, a max contract or if they want to try to move on from one. I mean, that's that's uh, that's the definition of a first world problem in the NBA. Do you think this has eliminated that though? That you're not going to be able to have three amazing full max players? Like like the super teams, no, like the- it, I mean, it, it hasn't. Well, it hasn't really changed. I mean, I mean, look, it, it, this. I think this hasn't really changed that much. I mean, it, you're still we're gonna pay the. You might be paying some of these guys a little bit more than you were before, but it's not like it's not like these contracts are. It, it's not like this rule has stated that. Um, all right, we're gonna we could pay these guys half the salary cap now, like. None of the none of the max. I mean, the max salaries have changed a tiny bit. It's not worth explaining. Um, they're essentially the same, um, and it, it's not like these these contracts are going to be way more than what they would be otherwise. Um, so, I mean, I think the the same problem a team would have had a year ago trying to pay four guys a max contract are are just the same now as they would have been. It's got nothing to do with. Okay, that has but got nothing to do with this new rule. But I, but 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 in fairness, those great teams, you have to have guys that are taking less than their market value, right? So like Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker undoubtedly left money on the table throughout the years. Um, you could say the same is true of Dwayne Wade, right? And hell, that's why he's playing in Chicago right now. 
Um, and so, you know, it, it, do you have with the team you've built the guys that are willing to take a little bit less to stick in their current situation? Don't you think there's going to be a little more pressure for great players to do that if they want to stick in these type of situations? Because let's just be honest, the money ain't going to be there to give everybody what they, quote, deserve or could feasibly command. I think you're I I think you're I think you're kind of I think you're kind of missing the boat here honestly like none of this stuff is real like all of these things that you're talking about are no different than they've been for the last 10 years like I it's nothing nothing on that end has really ever changed I mean teams are always going to see if guys will take a little less money Um, I mean that 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 I mean you mentioned the Spurs have been doing that for 15 years or 20 years I mean that I, I don't this this rule change that we're talking about, and and the stuff that's put in the new CBA, um, none of that stuff is different. Um, it's it just so I mean none of, none of this none of this stuff from a, a grand a, a, a big picture perspective is going to change whether the Warriors can keep all four guys. Like it isn't it just isn't um, it, it isn't there isn't anything that happened that that tip the scale one way or the other um, in terms of saying, well, we can't afford to pay all four of these guys. Well, th- those rules aren't any different than before. So if they weren't going to be able to pay afford to pay them before, I mean, th- that they, it's not like anything happened that made it less or more likely that they can now, if that makes sense. Okay. Well then why am I, why do I keep reading that teams that want to become super teams are losers in this situation? In fact, that's exactly what, uh, when Kevin Pelton wrote an article on ESPN. Well, okay. Well, Okay, so that I think what I think what Kevin is referring to, I haven't read his article. There's been five million articles written. Right. I would imagine what what KP is referring to is the fact that guys like Russell Westbrook and Demarcus Cousins and Paul George um, are are more likely to stay on their current team because they're getting this extension. That that would be like, for instance, everybody kind of assumes Demarcus Cousins is going to leave, but if Demarcus Cousins can get a big, you know, can get a huge max contract right now, um, it will be, it will be difficult for, for them to do that. Um, you know, that, that, I, that I think is what, I just looked up the story quick to see. And, and yeah, I think that, um, that that's exactly what he's referring to. It's going to be harder for superstar players to turn down that money. Right. Like next summer, if you say to Russell Westbrook, here's an extension for $250 million or whatever, whatever the five-year extension would be, you know, that's going to be hard for him to say no to, as opposed to, well, I can't sign this extension now because I can only sign for two years and next year I could sign for five years. So why would I sign now? Well, and here's um, the other thing, Tim, think, with both cousins and Westbrook, you're talking six because it's totally, I mean, listen, Westbrook's going to be all NBA. If that's one of the criteria, right. cousins going to have a chance. So now it's not even five years anymore. It's six years with one guy, and you know in those particular cases, if you're Oklahoma City, Westbrook's your one guy, and and Cousins in Sacramento would be your one guy that you would designate and say, all right, we'll pay you six. So now you're talking about crazy money leaving on the table if you want to walk. Well, and just to be clear, when you say it's six years, what it actually is is with one year left, like right now, Russell Westbrook, under the old rules, next summer the Thunder could have offered Westbrook a three-year extension on top of the one year he had left. Okay, now they can offer him five more years. So 
just just so just so the listeners understand, it's not it's not that the Thunder are offering him a six year contract. It'd be a five year extension on top of the one extra year he had left. Just so people right. get that. Okay. Understood. Um, okay. All right, Tim, we're going to get back into some more CBA talk. But first, a word from our sponsors. Late Night TV just got darker. Jesus Nice and the Kid Marrow have landed their own late night TV show on Viceland, the new TV channel from Vice. It's called Jesus and Marrow, late nights at 11 p.m. You may know these guys from the Bodega Boys podcast. Yes, podcasters can become TV stars these days. You might know them from Twitter.com. Apparently, Twitter people can get TV shows, too. This is not your typical late night show. No white guys named Jimmy, no A-list celebrities selling their new movie, no scripted jokes, no band. Just two guys from the Bronx giving you their takes on culture, politics, sports, entertainment, and other subjects they don't really know anything about. Last night's episode had Nick Cannon on it, and it was hilarious. Watch the show because Mero has mad kids and Jesus loves sneakers, and they're funny and other late night shows are corny. Watch Jesus and Mero on TV on Viceland every Monday through Thursday at 11 p.m. Go to Viceland.com to find your channel and check out some free episodes. The brand is strong. Ringer NBA Show also brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites, and now you can. ZipRecruiter has 9 million resumes you can search through in their database. You can add multiple people to your account to make it the most efficient for your team and find the best hire. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. ZipRecruiter is a search engine for finding and posting jobs, finding candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll in to ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. ZipRecruiter has been featured on Forbes, The Wall Street Journal, Time Magazine, The New York Times, TechCrunch, and CBS. ZipRecruiter's website shows trending career fields, cities, and searches. And right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to by going to ZipRecruiter.com backslash ringer. That's ZipRecruiter.com backslash ringer. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com backslash ringer. No amnesty clause. Uh, There's previously been an amnesty clause allowing teams to waive players and have their salaries removed from the cap. So what, how does that affect things? Um, well, I mean, for it, you know, there are a lot of teams that already like to use the amnesty clause. Uh, uh, you know, the New York Knicks, for example, would be um, would really love to get rid of Joakim Noah's contract. They can't. Uh, already, the would love to get rid of the wall. Well, I mean, I, I think it's pretty obvious that that hasn't worked. Bro, he's played, uh, you know, he's played and, and, twenty-five and, and, games. Yeah, and he's been terrible. So, I mean, if if, the, if you could tell the Knicks you could get out of that contract at the end of the season, they would say that sounds great. Um, same with Luol Deng with the with the Lakers. I think they'd be quite happy if they could get out of that contract at the end of this year. Um, you know, you, you can you know Miles, Miles Plumley got signed for fifty-two million dollars by the Bucks, and he hasn't basically got off the bench all season. Um, so I think if you, you can run down the list and there are a lot of teams that wouldn't have minded, um, wouldn't have minded having an amnesty clause in the deal, but you know, the, the structures of the, of the CBA didn't really change from a financial standpoint, which is, which is part of why, uh, there's no amnesty provision. And 
you know, frankly, there's a lot of teams that just manage their cap much better that said, we don't want these teams to get a get out of jail free card. You know, they're, you know, we don't want the Knicks and the Lakers who can afford to just cut a $50 million check to Joe Kim Noah and Luol Deng to be able to do that. Um, so, you know, that, you know, if for some teams it's going to wind up being a, you know, being a, a negative that there isn't one, but I, you know, clearly, for the majority of teams, they looked at it and said, this isn't something we really need to do. So it does seem like this, Tim, with this new collective bargaining agreement, smart management is at a premium more than ever. That would be my first takeaway just from the conversation we've already had. Because of the amnesty thing, you can't just buy your way out of things. You know, this was one of the reasons that they did the whole luxury tax and made it so punitive that you can't just spend and spend and spend and spend and spend and there not be punishment for that. Um, And you can't just spend your way out of your mistakes. And the other thing is when you're talking about being able to re-sign players and it being such a massive advantage for teams that already have control of said players to re-sign them, the draft becomes even way more important than ever because your ability to get a great, great player, I mean, outside of, you know what I mean? Like you, 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 to get to attain a great, great player, you're either going to have to do it via trade or via draft because you you're just not going to be able to count on being able to get that guy via free agency. At least you can't plan that way. Yeah, right? I mean, I, you know, and I I think that's still the way that everybody has really acted. I mean, you know, there've been a there've been a couple prominent guys who've changed teams the last couple of years, but it's still clear that the, the best path to success is is better to draft guys, you know, or trade for guys earlier in their, their, their career. Like, you know, the, you know, look at Memphis, right? They saw they drafted, um, drafted Mike Conley, got Marcus all's draft rights, um, you know, traded for Zach Randolph of forever ago. Um, you know, you, you, uh, that it's always going to be the best way to do it to build through the draft. Cause then you, you have the guys in house and, and, and the system is now more set up than ever to convince guys to stay. Now, I, I don't think that's a. I don't think it guarantees that guys are going to stay, but it certainly makes it um, much more palatable for guys to avoid free agency. And you look at the Thunder and the, the Blazers the last couple of years, and if they could have kept their guys in free agency, they would have been a lot happier with the way situations turned out. So, um, so I definitely think that you know going forward, you know, there's certainly a stronger possibility to how KP wrote it and how you put it that. Um, that a lot of these star players might not get to free agency at all um, because of the amount of money that's going to be thrown well, around. It makes, and, you, it, it and, makes uh, you wonder, And that'll make right? it harder to build super teams, like you, it, like you said. Yeah, it makes you wonder if this is the standard. Like the, this, I'll be interested to see what happens as years go by. But does the Miami thing ever happen? And does and like we said, I mean, if we accept Durant's probably not in Golden State under these rules, then I think it's probably fair to accept that if we would have gone back in time – you know, that Miami thing never gets put together. Like, that's how Miami built that. They signed Chris Bosh, and they and they got, you know, LeBron James in free agency. That's how they did it. And and Golden State got Durant in free agency. They didn't get those guys via trade or draft. Right. And, yeah, right. I just don't know. And, I mean, look, if gonna... guys want to play together, they're still going to make it happen, I think. But, Maybe so. you know, the, the, bottom, the bottom line is, you know, this does make it – this does make it more enticing for guys to re-sign with their current teams. So, I mean, just just from a strictly 
macro like probability standpoint, it is more unlikely to have these teams form because you're not going to have these guys yeah. being able to turn down insane amounts of money to stay with their current team. Yeah. I still think that it's going to happen, but it's the, the, the system is better built to prevent guys from doing that now. I, for one, love that. Um, I also love the max roster size going from 15 to 17 and this installment of two-way contracts like they have in the NHL, which is basically now you've got two extra roster spots, but you can have guys that are you know can shift back and forth from the D-League. And basically, if I understand this correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, um, when they're in the D-League, they get paid D-League money. When they're in the NBA, they get paid NBA money. And that's the end of the story, right? They're on your roster. They're a rostered player. But if they're playing in the D-League, they get paid like they're in the D-League. If they're on your NBA roster, they get paid like they're an NBA player, correct? That's exactly right. Uh, They'll they'll, they'll make somewhere between $75,000 and $100,000 in the D-League. And they'll make, you know, whatever the minimum salary they'll be on in in the NBA. And and I agree with you. That's a really good step forward, Um, you know, having – Having guys that can go to the D League and develop and come back and play for you, um, it's gonna it's gonna help teams, you know, kind of develop and uh, and and improve players. It's gonna keep young players from having to go to Europe to make a decent buck um, because they can make a hundred grand playing in the D League instead of making twenty five, which is what the average D League guy makes. Um, so I think from a long term sustainability standpoint for the league, it's a huge step forward. Um, and it, 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 I think you're really going to see a lot of teams reap the benefits of it. I mean, you look at a team like the Spurs, right? Jonathan Simmons has become a rotation player for them after playing in the, in the D-League for the Austin Spurs. If every team can use those two roster spots and come up with another guy like Jonathan Simmons every couple of years to play for them, that's a gigantic win. And, it, you know, it's going to help young guys get better. It's going to get young guys more money. Um, so I, I think it, I think it's a great development and, and, a, a, and honestly a, a win-win for everybody. Well, and the other thing is it that puts a great onus on these teams that can develop players, right? They create yep. another advantage. It yep. creates a great advantage for them. The ones that are great at player development now have another advantage. I, I got to think they'll expand playoff rosters too, right? If the regular season roster is going to be able to go up to 17, I've got to imagine they'll probably extend the playoff roster by a player or two. I don't know know about that. I'm guessing it would probably just stay at 15, but, uh, but who knows? I I haven't, that's actually one thing I haven't a hundred percent nailed down or frankly, even really thought about, but, um, but yeah, it, it, you could, my, my guess is you'd have to set a playoff roster of probably just 15 guys, but that that's honestly just a guess. Oh, I thought playoff rosters were 12. Am I wrong about that? Well, no, I meant like teams have no teams like you don't have all 15 guys in your playoff roster. You just can only have 13 active, 13. Um, active. That's what, okay. So, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. Right. Right. Okay. Right. So I, I would guess, I would guess that it's going to stay the same. I, I would guess the two way guys won't be part of the, the playoff roster, but that that's just a guess. I, I haven't, I haven't officially nailed that down either way. Season's going to start earlier. I guess the major thing that comes out of this is, uh, you know, less preseason and hopefully uh, a small opportunity to have less back-to-backs throughout the year. Yeah, it's going to be one week earlier. Um, one week. The preseason will be one week shorter. Regular season will be one week longer. Um, it will, uh, you know, it, it will it will allow for less back-to-backs, less four and five nights. And 
um, you know, a better, uh, you know, just more opportunities to get guys rest, you know, hopefully less situations like what happened in Memphis last night where the Cavs uh, didn't send their, their stars down, down to, to play your team. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully that stuff will change. And, you know, the NBA has been, you know, pretty strident about trying to, um, trying to reduce back-to-backs and, and try to really have as much focus on player health as possible. And, you know, to their credit, I think they've done a really nice job of that. And, you know, this is, this is another step forward in that department. And, um, you know, I, I think it's one that, you know, look, anybody who's watched the NBA preseason the last few years has seen that these teams don't really use the preseason anyway. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just a money-making exercise, and it's basically a waste of time for everybody. So the, the, the less time we have to spend on these, you know, these fake preseason games that guys are sitting out half of and don't count, when guys are working out all year round anyway, it's not like they exactly have to get back in shape. They're at the, I mean, you know, I mean, you've seen guys are working out together at the gym. You know, these teams are getting together in like early September now. Well, and um, I don't understand why they workout, can't just. So. I, I don't understand why they can't just do it like you know these NFL teams do. Like I've been, I've been, uh, you know, like I've seen, uh, you know, like where you you do have a where they come to like training camp. And it's almost like they practice together for three days, and then at the end of the week they play a preseason game against each other in front of fans, whatever. But you get a live look against another team. Like I, I don't know. I, I, I think I think the NFL actually has that one right, where they kind of let these teams just play against each other, but it's not necessarily the whole time to just fill you know fill an arena with fans or put on an exhibition i mean the preseason is awful i just every year i just dread it every year <laughs> yeah no it's the worst and that that's it why is. shortening it is a, is a yeah. great thing for everybody so uh, okay. I, I think that i think that's going to be a big win sounds like early entry is still going to be 19 years old um american players of course have to be one year removed from high school um early entry 19 years old uh but it it doesn't sound like this is a hard, fast rule that this is something that might, uh, that is tabled for right now, but can be negotiated. It's not going to necessarily be this way for the next seven years, uh, because of a new, uh, neg- uh, CBA, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, that's something that, that Adrian Wojnarowski has reported. So I take that as gospel from him. And, and I, you know, that, Basically, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't change. I think if we go back to 2011, I'm pretty sure that a similar conversation was had that, yeah, let's table this and talk about it later, and it wound up never changing. Um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it changed in some form down the road. Uh, I also really won't be surprised if in six years when we're talking about the next CBA, um, we're still with the one-and-done rule. Um, you know, I, I don't think we're going back to zero. I don't think it's going to really go up that much. Maybe they get it to two years at some point in exchange for something with the players. But, you know, I think overall the league is happy with, with the way the, the rule has, has, uh, has developed. And, you know, I, I think I, I'll be surprised if we see really big changes in it anytime soon. I would like to see the either you make your you know, either zero, right? You can leave straight out of high school. Right, we got too many superstars that left right after high school, and it, they turned out just fine. Yep. to be honest. Okay, so yep. you can, it, those guys that are these transcendent guys, and I know people can bring up the Corleone, Young, Corleone Youngs of the world, but they can also bring up the Kobe's and the LeBrons and the McGrady's and all these great, great players. So 
I, I'm just saying you can either leave straight after if you've got the ability to go and be in the NBA or you got to go to school for two years. And how about this? Even put in the protection for the guys that think they have a chance and then they enter and it doesn't work out and they don't get drafted. Then they can go back to school, right? You, they haven't like blown it forever if they're a high school kid that puts their name in the draft. And the other thing is you've got expanded rosters now. You've got two more roster spots. Yep. Right? So Yeah, well, I, listen, I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you. I think I think that uh I, I think I think that's what the rule should be. Um the, the, the either go in right out of high school or you have to stay in college for a certain amount of time. That's the rule yeah. they have in baseball. I think it's a great rule. I think I think that I think that would kind of be the best of both worlds. And I, I and I, if I think I think if the rule ever changes, I think that's what it's going to change to. Um, some form of you either can go in when you want, and if you if you get, you know, or if you go to college, you have to go for X amount of time. That's my, and it'll be more than a year. That's my uh, that's my assumption, and uh, you know, I'm with you. I think that's the way to go. Um, would be the best for everyone. And obviously, you know, you're 100 percent right. There, there should be um, there should be a situation. Uh, where if a guy in that situation doesn't get drafted, he can still go to college and do stuff. But, you know, and I imagine now, given given where the league is at in terms of, you know, looking at the bigger picture on this kind of stuff, I would be pretty surprised if, you know, they got around to making that kind of rule in, in the future, which, like I said, I do think is possible, um, if they didn't have that kind of protections in there to kind of, you know, save guys from themselves. I get you. Uh, forcing Ben Simmons to go to LSU for a year is just stupid. I mean, it's just a, it's a waste. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of everybody's time, right? He's he can go get. I get the whole maturing or whatever, but he he has he doesn't want to be there. <laughs> He's only going there because he has to. Literally, yeah. only because he has to. You're forcing him yep. to go to pick a college to go make a mockery of it for one year. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so yep. I hope that I yep. hope it's not tabled forever, and I hope they do change that. Um, union officials are now going to handle negotiations for player likenesses in licensing agreements. The NBA has handled that for three decades, and what they did is they would just they would they would own the player likenesses. So I presuppose this would be like say uh, EA Sports or whoever, Two K Sports or whoever, and then they would distribute a flat fee to the players in millions, right? And th- but this is not the same with the. NFL and Major League Baseball or the NHL. So the NBA, that was one of their fights, or the Players Association was, we want it to be like these other leagues. Um, What level of significance? I was trying to figure this out in terms of, and I do wonder if the NBA PA is going to look back and go, well, damn, the NBA did a really good job of selling all this stuff and getting our cut. Like now now it's their responsibility to sell this stuff and make X amount of money off of it. But if it was something they fought for, they obviously think they can make a lot of money off of it. Right. Well, that's the, the, all the other, um, all the other unions, that's how it was set up. They, they had control over this stuff and it did it themselves. And the NBA, you know, the players association was paying the NBA a fee and the league was doing it and they wanted to, they wanted to have their own control over it. So, you know, that, that isn't even actually really part of the CBA. It's like a separate thing that got kind of, put in put in the mix here because that's usually what happens when you're um right. when you're when you're discussing stuff like this you kind of put everything on the table and uh yeah it's something the players wanted and i think that uh 
you know, I, I mean, it should, it should work out well for them. I mean, it, you know, it should, should be a good thing and we'll see if, we'll see if they can execute it the way they hope to. But, but that is something, you know, that we heard in recent days was something they really wanted. And it appears that they've gotten it. All right. Here's a big one, Tim. Uh, the 36 and under rule has changed to the 38 and under rule. So for to make this for dummies, the rule prohibited players from signing a five-year deal max or five-year max deal. If they're Here, 30... here's, you can we can even make it we can make okay. it even simpler than that. Before before Chris Paul and LeBron James would not have been able to sign one last giant contract. Now they can. That's that's the rule. <laughs> it's that it's really that simple. Well, Chris Paul, they, LeBron they James, too, and, and Carmelo. Uh, well, Carmelo, I don't think is going to apply for it because he his contract runs much farther than theirs. Um, so I don't think he could. I, I mean, he'll be able to sign another deal toward the end of it, but by then, like he he's kind of already going to fade it out of the max territory by the time he's thirty five. So um, that's going to be less of an issue for him. It's it's more going to be for you know LeBron will be able to sign a new deal after next season, and Chris will be able to sign one after this season. And because of the way this rule is now set up, they both can sign five-year maxes for an insane amount of money um, and cash in one last time, which is ironic given that Chris and, Car- and LeBron are the top two people in charge of the union and are now set up to make a bunch of money off the change. So, um, that I mean, that, that, would have, that rule would have changed regardless of whether they were in charge or not. It's just kind of funny to, to put it, point it out that way. But, um, but that, that's the, the essence is guys like, the, like those guys can more easily get one last giant contract, which you know, which before they would not have been able to. Well, I read this morning that Paul's contract on uh, on the full max would, if it's a five year deal, would be two hundred and seven million. Five years, two oh seven. Yep. <laughs> I mean, yep. good grief. Yep. And you will. I mean, yep. you do wonder what is Paul right now? What is he? Probably 32, 33, maybe. What do you think? How old do you he'll think he'll be? Thirty. He'll be thirty two. He's gonna be thirty two. Wow, he's thirty two. He'll either he'll be he'll either be thir- I'm looking it up right now. He'll either yeah, okay. be 32 or 33 next season. Yeah, in May. He'll turn he'll 32 th- in May. Yeah. So, and so he'll th- be he'll be 30. He'll it'll be 32 to 36 for his next contract. Hmm. Yeah, because it's a lot of money. Fall. That is, and do you want to pay a 36 year old Chris Paul max money? You know. Yeah, I mean that's you know that's something they're going to have to that's something they're going to have to weigh. Right. Well, I mean, I'll just tell you, it, when you see all those numbers going to be thrown around, you do wonder, when, we go, when you're talking about minimum guys, we're talking about minimum guys, and you're talking about, like, the, the, I mean, the average salary being almost $9 million, I mean, a lot of these contracts just aren't going to look nearly as bad as, as we all reacted, right? Everybody reacted like, wow, that guy got that, and that guy got that, and now it like the reality setting in that everybody's going to be making crazy money everybody like the numbers are just not what they used to be and so we got to totally recalibrate the way we think about those things right like yep that's, even from, that's the best way to think about it is is that it, it's it's i mean the numbers are bigger but everything is is bigger now so you you know it's it's yeah it's it's everybody's spending more money um but everybody's also making way more money so it's it's just kind of you know, you got to just kind of think about it in that context. And, you know, this is why people have always said it would be better if these contracts were just listed as so-and-so is making 35% of the salary cap. Um, because then, you know, whether it's 35% of 10 million or 35% of a hundred million, 
it's the same percentage. And you just would kind of go, all right, well, he's getting 35%. Um, but, you know, obviously it's, it's not listed that way. But that, that's probably the better way to think about it is that, you know, these guys are making – think about it in terms of this guy's making a percentage of an overall number as opposed to, oh, wow, he's making this giant number. Yeah. Uh, Tim, I think we did a reasonable job of being able to break down the CBA and the new things that have been announced I, over the course. I it's, think it, so. It, as NBA fans, it's thrilling, right? It all seems like a good deal. Everybody's going to remain happy. And beyond anything, we're not going to be without basketball for any amount of time, um, which was it was awful. It was awful for all kinds of people involved uh, back several years ago now. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. That, the important thing is that a deal got done, and 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 a sport that's thriving will remain thriving. That yeah. that more than anything else, that that's what really matters. You have joined me on the podcast a couple times already this year. Um, I want to ask you one quick trivia question, if I can. Who is in, <laughs> okay? Who is in third place in the Eastern Conference as of right now? The Knicks. Thank you. They're also not going to be in third for very long, but they're in third right now. <laughs> you told me they were going to suck, Tim. They don't suck. Well, they've they've gone yeah. on a really nice run. They they've had a soft schedule, and they've taken advantage of it. They beat a bunch of bad teams in close <laughs> games. Um, but they the schedule is going to get harder, and they're also I think two games out of tenth. <laughs> so they could they could they could. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, they they yeah they are two games out of ten. Don't you so, understand? I'm taking adva- I'm taking advantage of this. This is the one moment in time that they will ever be third place <laughs> in the Eastern Conference, and you happen to be on. I know the- they have a negative point gonna- differential. For God's sake! I, yes, I, yeah, I know, and, and it's going to get worse tonight. They're playing the Warriors here out in the Bay tonight, and uh, you know what? Though here, here's what matters for the Knicks. Chris Asperzingis is going to be a superstar, and he already, I think, is a borderline All Star this year. So. Um, nothing else matters for the Knicks. Like for the CBA, all that matters is that it's done and it's, it's good that the league is rolling for the Knicks. All that matters is that they have a guy who for the next 10 years is going to be one of the best players in the league. And that, that is for, you know, for New York basketball fans, that's finally something for them to be excited about after a lot of misery. All right. I will ask you one basketball question because I want to get your opinion on this. The two hottest teams in the league are the Toronto Raptors, who have won nine of their last 10, and the Houston Rockets, who have won nine of their last 10. Which of those two teams do you believe in more? Um, who do I believe in more? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I guess it depends on what your criteria is because I, I believe in both to some respects. I I think that the Raptors are are um, are much are much more likely to get back to the Eastern Conference Finals than anybody else in the East. Um, I, I just think they're pretty clearly the second best team, even though they're also pretty clearly far behind the Cavs. Uh, I think Houston's really good, though. Um, I think they're the fourth best team in the West. I think they're going to make it to the second round of the playoffs. Um, Mike D'Antoni's system is just a perfect fit for that team. James Harden's been incredible. Um, so I, I guess, I mean, I guess in, in some way, I kind of believe in both. Um, though I do think that both ceiling is kind of limited um, in the grand scheme. But I, I think what they're doing is legit. I, mean, I, I think those are two really yeah. good teams that, that should this. remain good, barring injury. Houston has really hit their stride. And people say, oh, we still got to play defense, whatever. I mean, like they, listen, you watch them night in and night out, they're going to be able to just outscore you 
Like if you'll play the, it's one of those that if you can be a master of that type of game, and they are. I mean, you see that it was going around the internet last night. Uh, I saw it all over Twitter. Did you see their shot chart from last night? Like it was like a masterpiece of, you know, lay it up yep. or tray it up. Like either every yep. every shot they took was either in the paint or behind the three point line. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it, it, you know, I mean, look, they, for eight years, Mike D'Antoni has waited to have a team that could run his offense. And, and you know what? Now they have a team that can run his offense, and the results are kind of speaking for themselves, you know? Like, they're, <laughs> they, they, look like a, they look like a totally different team. And, you know, it, it's, it's fun to see. I mean, I've always been a huge Mike fan. Um, I, I think that, you know, he, he's kind of gotten a raw deal since leaving Phoenix. And, you know, it's, it's fun to see, it's fun to see that team play because, you know, putting the ball in James Harden's hands and letting him make shots for other guys and Eric Gordon's bearing threes and Ryan Anderson's bearing threes. And they're, they're a really fun, um, they're a really fun, really fun team to watch. And, and I do think they're legit too. Tim, I think we did pretty good making our way through the CBA and all the big news. It's clearly going to change everything that takes place in the NBA for a long, long time, but it sounds like everybody's going to end up being happy, and I know uh, both of us are going to be happy because at least we don't have to worry about work stoppages. You the man. Enjoy that uh, Knicks-Warriors game tonight, brother. I will, man. Good to catch up as always. Thanks, Tim. Tim Bontemps from the Washington Post. That's going to do it for another edition of the Ringer NBA show. If you dig what you're hearing, head over to iTunes, give us a rating and review, and we will talk to you on Tuesday. Thanks again to Capital One's CreditWise app for sponsoring us today. Capital One created the CreditWise app, so you can check your credit score anytime you want right in the app. It's free to everyone, so download CreditWise today. Availability depends on presence of credit history from TransUnion. CreditWise is offered by Capital One Bank USA N.A.